Let's take a look at the board. And the categories are... Potent Potables. Joey, you like movies about gladiators. You're no messiah, you're a, you're a movie of the week. So you listen to me and you listen well. Look, well, let's not stand on ceremony, mate. Let's start the show. Evening, everybody. This is the Potent Pictures Podcast. I'm Dave, as always. I'm joined by my three uh, fellow assholes, <laughs> Sean, Peter, and Matt. Why don't y'all say hello again? Thanks, Dave. Hello, assholes. <laughs> hello again? Not good. Anyway, we, uh, we're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I know everybody was real excited about seeing this. Um, I know we'll get into it in a couple minutes, uh, what we actually thought initially about the movie going into it, you know, for, for Phase 3, if anybody remembers. Um, but as always, we'll go into uh, what, we're, what we're watching and what we're drinking. So we'll start with Matt this week. Yeah, so I, I finally finished uh, the show Pushing Daisies. Um, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, works that well since Lee Pace, the star of that, was the uh, villain in the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Completely different role, if you could guess. But uh, fun, fun movie, or sorry, fun little show. Um, you know, got canceled after about one and a half seasons, but uh, pretty decent, um, quirky little show. If you get a chance to watch it, I think it's it's worth checking out if you if you like that kind of uh, quirky crime solving genre. Um, the guy basically has a superpower where he can, I don't know if it's a superpower, the guy has a power where he can wake up the dead for one minute, and so they try to solve crimes using what they discover by talking to somebody who's been deceased, and, uh, pretty, pretty fun. I like, I really like the style that they did through the show and, and all that, so definitely worth checking out, but you do have to be in the right mood for it. As far as what I'm drinking, um, I was just back, back in the, the Bay area in California, and there's a nice little brewery that popped up near my hometown called Altamont. And uh, they have this hella hoppy uh, IPA that's uh, worth worth checking out if you're ever out there. As far as I know, they're not really they're not really distributing wide right now. But if you're ever in Livermore, California, it's uh, it's worth checking out the Altamont Brewery and trying the hella hoppy. They uh, sell 32 ounce cans that they'll buy, they'll can for you right there when you when you buy the beers. So they've definitely got some good. Uh, some good brews there. It's like the uh, Foster's makes the 32-ounce cans, right, Matt? Those big, uh, the pounders, uh, not a pounder, I guess. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? The fat cans. I, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with the Australian for beer. <laughs> I, I can't remember if I've ever actually had Foster's. You don't and want And I feel it. like most of the time now it's a, yeah, it's kind of a butt of a joke. Like the reason it gets exported is because nobody in Australia actually drinks it. It's terrible. Um, but maybe that's <laughs> I'm just pretty sure it's like their wife beer. It's like Stella. Anyway. So, uh... Let's see, Peter, how about you? So I just got off a long night of flying. So, of course, what else do you do on a plane other than watch some movies? So I caught up on two things. One was Lion. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. This was nominated, I believe, for Best Picture and a few other ones this last year. It's got Dev Patel and uh, trying to think of her name. Uh, slipped my mind. Nicole Kidman. Uh, Nicole Kidman and... Uh, she's the younger sister to the girl that was in House of Cards. Can't think of her name. But anyway. Rooney Mara. Yes, that's it. Rooney Mara. So Nicole Kidman, Rooney Mara, and Dev Patel. Can we just keep playing this game? I like this yeah, game. It's just, I feel like I'm good at it. Let's, we should keep this going. Are you missing Are you missing out on our old Dallas uh, trivia nights, Matt, that you never made it to because you were always flying in? <laughs> exactly. I know. I miss those too. <laughs> 
So watch that movie. Really good movie. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. It's it's an interesting one. It follows follows a guy who grows up in India as a younger child. He ends up getting lost from his family and essentially spends his young adult life trying to find his family in India. And he knows absolutely nothing about it other than what he thinks is the name of the town, which obviously is not right because nobody can find it. Uh, and he knows the name of his brother, but he doesn't know his last name and doesn't even know his mom's name because I think he was around three or four years old when he went missing. So um, really, really interesting movie. They take it a different way in that the first hour or more of the two hour movie is him when he's a younger child, as opposed to them kind of doing a quick 20 minute him younger and then him older. And you kind of sit with him finding out what's happening. So, you know, it, it goes into a lot of the backstory. So anyway, good movie. I definitely recommend it. Uh, the other thing I watched, which I watched about 25 minutes and fell asleep. So again, my litmus test, terrible movie. Uh, it's called Why Him? It's the one that has James Franco. It's got uh, Walter White. And again, slipping my slipping my mind uh, in terms of Brian name. Cranston. Brian Cranston. He's uh, got Leah Thompson's daughter too. So that's not bad. I don't even I don't even bother to look up the names uh, of anybody in this movie because it was bad. I, I, actually, I will say Keegan Michael Key. Key is yeah, in I was it. just gonna say Keegan Michael Key is <laughs> in it. He is a delight. He, if anything, if you want to watch. Uh, I actually, the last hour of the flight, I turned it back on and watched a few more minutes of it. He's funny to watch. I uh, have a good time with him, but it is just, it's not a good movie. Not at all. I don't, I'm not surprised. It seemed like it was going to be semi-funny and then you heard absolutely nothing about it when it came out. So now I understand why. But uh, but yeah, may, maybe Redbox it. Maybe if you get a free code and unless you're getting the Blu-ray where you have to spend the 25 cents and then don't get it. Uh but, but yeah, not a, not a great movie. Um, in terms of what I'm drinking, I am actually down in South America, and I had a caipirinha tonight, which is a lovely Brazilian treat. For anybody who hasn't had it before, look it up. It's uh, a sugary kind of, uh, I don't know, I'd put it somewhere between like a mojito and a daiquiri. It's kind of got a little bit of flair. It's not not as fruity as a daiquiri, but not as kind of, um, abrupt as a mojito, but it is a delicious drink. So I definitely recommend it for anybody. So did Dave Patel still win at the end of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire <laughs> from Lion? <laughs> See what you did there. That, that was the first thing I thought of when I watched it. Because again, it's another one where it kind of follows a younger Indian child in India and um, not to be stereotypical or anything, but it did make me think of that. Uh, but he's got a lot of other great movies. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll bring him up on another cast, but uh, he's got some great stuff. Uh, but Sean, what are you watching? Well, this week I uh, this weekend I actually killed a lot of television, um, which means I didn't do shit. So <laughs> I uh, I watched the almost the entire first season of Fargo. I had uh, caught caught a couple episodes last week, uh, but cleaned through the last eight. Which, if you guys haven't seen that, it's uh, it kind of has like I get the vibe of like a true detective show where they just got a bunch of stars, but they actually have direction, um, which I guess the first True Detective had some direction, and it went to a place I liked. Um, so I'm going to probably watch that second season here coming up, but uh, Billy Bob Thornton is awesome in that show, and uh, Colin Hanks was in there as well, which is, I hadn't really seen, I haven't really remembered liking anything that he's been in since Orange County, uh, which was, God, 10 years ago, 15 years ago now. 
Um, and, and then we had uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele are actually in, if you guys haven't seen it, they actually are in that season one of Fargo as well, which is a, an odd uh, addition, but a welcomed, a welcomed one at that. But it's a very similar feel to Fargo the movie, if you've ever seen that. It's really funny. Bob Odenkirk played the sheriff, which uh, for fans of uh, Better Call Saul and uh, Breaking Bad, he's uh, Saul. <laughs> so uh, very funny. Recommend it. Highly recommend it. Can't wait to see what season two had. And I think they're on season three right now. And then I also finished watching Crashing, the Pete Holmes comedian spe- uh, show that's on HBO. Very hilarious. Like it, the two comedians that they add in, the, in there to be like his friends or that people he comes across that play themselves or TJ Miller and Artie Lang, which I spoke of previously. But uh, I was in tears last night watching the last couple episodes. Um, it was very funny. It's a short season, so you can probably burn through it like in like four days if you watch an episode or two per night because it's only eight or ten episodes. Uh, and then in regards to what I'm drinking this week, I am drinking Wig Splitter Coffee Stout from Three Floyds. Uh, bought a bomber of this, and it's a really great beer. If you have not had it, it's uh, pretty much a Midwest beer. So, yeah, I enjoy those drinks, those shows. And, uh, David, what about you? All right. Well, um, so I got two, two announcements this week. Um, I actually took uh, Peter's advice and started watching Rick and Morty. Woo-hoo! And, my God. My God, I have missed out. I know, right? I will recommend this to everybody. It is so good. It's 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 weird of how enjoyable it is because I want to freaking party with Rick all the time, just because of the shit that he does, and he's drunk ninety percent of the mo- the show, and his little burps off in the middle of his conversations are the best part <laughs> of his character. Because he'll just be in the middle of talking, and all of a sudden, it just be like, he always has drunken drool, and he uh, randomly has a drunken burp within every conversation. It's great. It's great. It's amazing. Uh, and the other thing I actually did watch this weekend um, was uh, Get Out. Uh, we caught a we caught it, uh, and it was <laughs> what you're like uh, the way you sounded like it's a disease. Like, well, <laughs> we we caught it. Well, you know what? I caught it. And an enjoyment as it was because everyone was raving about it and I uh, finally went and saw it and holy shit it was actually really really good uh, who who actually went and saw it I saw it yeah I saw it yeah it was a good movie good movie am I the only one that didn't see it it was yeah I think so you might be the only person in, in the US Dave there was a lot of people saw that movie well I've also apparently just started watching Rick and Morty so eh but you know it was good I enjoyed it everybody else kind of talked to it previously so but finally caught that, thoroughly enjoyed it, understood what everybody, the hype was all about it, and, you know, that was a good little thing. And what I'm drinking, um, so I was at the liquor store the other day, and I was, and yes, unfortunately we have to use those in Texas, I hate having to go there, I used to just enjoy going to Walmart, but um, I found a nice little uh, uh, Shiner Strawberry, um, I didn't realize it was the summer, and uh so they started putting out their strawberry one, and it's not my favorite. I'm going to be honest. Not my favorite. It tastes like a, uh, uh, it's a lager mixed with a fruit roll-up, if you can imagine, or a gusher. Not, choose more <laughs> words wisely on the gusher portion, but yes, the gusher, the strawberry gusher. But not the best one. I would not, unfortunately, I would not recommend it. I would go, if you're going to do strawberry, go with like an abita or a... Um, oh God! What was that, Sean? What was that other one that was in Northern Louisiana? That was a good strawberry. 
Uh, yeah, it's uh, shit. Co- oh, it's Covington, Covington Brewery. It's yeah, that's it. You're right. That's it. But yeah, other than that, that's really all I got. Unfortunately, the beer I'm drinking right now is kind of off. Anyway, uh, so I guess we can move into Guardians talk. So uh, everybody saw it. Let's uh, let's talk about what the the feelings are going into it, trailers wise. I know we kind of did a little bit last week about how we were feeling about it going into it, but um, just kind of touch base again on that, if y'all don't mind. Uh, Matt, go for it. I, I didn't even want to watch the trailers. I, I was, you know, once they announced the second one, I was I was sold on it. So uh, after the first one, you know, nothing could really derail my excitement for the sequel. Uh, the cast was, you know, very enjoyable in the first one. Um, and so I was just looking forward to what else. And James Gunn did a great job. So I was just looking forward to what else they, you know, could do. Um, in terms of the trailers, you know, I, I when we saw Kurt Russell get added, that was, you know, that was, that was you know, nice additions. Never never bad to have Kurt Russell in there. So that just got me all the more excited. So, yeah, was looking forward to it. What about you, Peter? Yeah, same here. Uh, I, I actually saw, I think I saw all the trailers. We talked about this last week, but it was... It was one I was definitely looking forward to. I uh, ended up going to see a uh, first day showing at one of the the largest IMAX in Texas, actually, at the Bullock Museum, downtown Austin. So, yeah, just kind of shows really looking forward to see this one. Uh, to your point, Matt, Kurt Russell was an interesting ad. I had seen some news that another person that was in the movie, who we won't, we won't spoil, but we'll talk about it once we get into it, uh, so I was curious to see him, uh, Mantis curious to see kind of how they use that character because I personally didn't know anything about Mantis. S- same with Kurt Russell's character ego. Didn't really know too much about it other than what I had read. Um, but yeah, definitely was looking forward to seeing the same crew and how they would take it and see how they use the music. Cause the music was key in the first one. And I was really interested to see what songs they picked. And from the trailers, they revealed that they picked the Fleetwood Mac song, which is, uh, Takes me back to my old days. Gotta love it. So I was, I was definitely stoked for that. So, um, yeah. Were you alive in the seventies? <laughs> I was gonna say. I'm an old soul, Matt. I'm an old soul. No, we used to go on road trips, and of all things, cassette tape player in the van, in the in the VW van, and uh, my parents would play Fleetwood Mac. So for some reason, that just all those songs are stuck in my head. So I gotta love it. But uh, but yeah, Sean, what about you? I overall I was excited for this after I think we talked about this and we did our throwback to Guardians of the Galaxy a couple of weeks back. I I had no expectations walking into the original Guardians of the Galaxy and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think I completely bought into the the hype train this time around. I was watch much like Peter watching all the trailers. Uh, I'd whenever I'd get a like an email or a update saying that they have a new trailer out. I would first thing I would do is go to YouTube and watch it. So I, I'd say I was pretty hyped up for this one and uh, ready to go. So uh, what about you, David? So I, as as everybody was, I was extremely excited about this. However, I was a little concerned, mainly because. I didn't know if they were going to be able to pull off the same thing they did with the original one. So I was trying to, like, uh, I think it was, who was it, Matt, trying to stay away from all the trailers. But, you know, they'd sneak in here and there. But trying to stay away from them kind of left the plot open. I knew kind of the little things here and there, you know, that they were adding Kurt Russell. I knew that these 
gold-looking people. You know, we didn't know who they were in the trailers, but we'll, we'll get into that later, who they actually were. But uh, kind of knew they might be the antagonist or they there's something going on with them. You know, just things like that. But, uh, you know, excited, but just slightly concerned it may not live up to the hype. But, you know, I'll, I'll talk later about how I felt about that, but I think it did. All right, so overall thoughts on the movie. Uh, Peter, why don't you go? Why don't you start us off? All right, I'll kick it off. So overall, thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think given what we've said before, the first one kind of caught a lot of us off guard and it was so enjoyable. I don't think there's any way for me this one could have topped it just because my expectations were too high and that's the issue with expectations. Uh, But with that said, really, really had a great time with this movie. I left and I, I don't think there was anything left on the table for me. I was I was in it the whole way through. I had some gripes, and we'll talk about that once we get into it. But from an overall movie perspective, they took the good parts. They kind of doubled down on them. They they kept the pace really well. They didn't overly rely on all the other Marvel movies. You didn't you didn't have to look for tie-ins. I mean, there was times when you know I'm always a, a fan of when they do kind of put those pieces and parts in. But the fact that they were missing wasn't a bad thing. And I wasn't looking for it specifically in this one. Uh, you know, overall had a really good time. Um, I would like to talk once we get into it about the format seeing it in. Cause for me, I saw it in IMAX 3d and I think that definitely added to the, the excitement and the enjoyment. Um, and it was definitely a, an awesome experience for me. Uh, I mean, regardless, I think I would have had a good time in any theater, but that, that definitely helped to amp it up a bit. But yeah, I had a great time. Looking forward to talking about it. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, definitely, uh, you know, more laughs than the first one. And the first one was very funny, very enjoyable throughout. This one definitely had um, more laugh out loud moments for sure. Um, a lot more kind of, a, you know, emotions a little deeper too in some senses. But uh it lived up to the first one for me. I, I was going back and forth on, on kind of where it sat, but I think, you know, maybe it, it might not be as rewatchable as the first, you know, as the original, but I'd say leaving the theater, it definitely lived up to, you know, to the first one for me. I, you know, the soundtrack was, you know, not as strong as the first, but I think there are a few standouts that definitely hit it for me, especially the kind of opening credit sequence um, was probably my favorite, uh, the top two top two songs in there, and we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, beyond that, just to to tack on to what uh, Peter was saying, I didn't see it in IMAX 3D, but I did see it in one of the Dolby cinemas, and um, nice. I enjoyed it so much. And I don't know if there's one nearby me. I was out of town this weekend when I saw it. I actually ended up seeing the movie again, not just because I liked the movie so much, but because the Dolby theater was that enjoyable. Um, the kind of how well the sound Im- immersed you in the in the picture probably not as large format as the largest IMAX in Texas but uh it was it was definitely a good uh good experience and so we'll we'll look forward to the Dolby and IMAX money coming in to sponsor us soon yeah (laughs) what about you Sean yeah I think I I enjoyed it I'm still back and forth I mean I wasn't as excited as I was after leaving the theater the first time uh when I and first time I mean the Guardians of the Galaxy volume one I was I was into it. I was I was enjoying the movie, yet it just never got me to the level of excitement I had in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, a lot of it was just 
same storyline, like a lot of similarities to the first one, whether the way the, the movie was shot um, and along the storyline. I guess there were like a couple of differences and, and some new things. Uh, the one thing that I really enjoy is the, and this is kind of stupid, I like uh, Drax, the Dave Bautista's character. I think his dry, just completely dry sense of humor is is was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, and then a couple of things just that, that are surface level here. Uh, it's just, you know, a couple of new characters, a lot of the same things. They, they definitely tried to just take what worked in the last movie and not mess it up too much. But I think I'm like a, on the level of the, on the scale from one to 10 of level of excitement, I was like a, you know, seven, maybe didn't really get to the 10. Uh, I was all the way at almost a 10 when I, I think I was like 9.9 .9 when I was at the, uh, the previous guardians um, with all the characters and the story. And, uh, but yeah, there's some things that got me to it, you know, that, that were ramping it up a little bit that I thought were going to be great. Uh, but, you know, a lot of things I liked, a lot of things I didn't. And we can talk a little bit more once we get to spoilers. But, um, yeah, overall, it was just like, it was good, you know, not great. What about you, Dave? So I'm kind of between, actually, Sean and uh, and Matt and Peter's um, thing. So I'm going to be in kind of like in the, in the middle round of this one. I, you know, going into it, like, like I said, I was kind of concerned. I, I was afraid that it wasn't going to live up to the hype that, you know, Volume 1 brought I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Um, I felt like certain certain aspects they they kind of forced a little bit, and but there were other things that I really enjoyed. Like I enjoyed the the Yandu and um, the rocket storyline that they kind of did. Um, really enjoyed that. That was a for me that was probably one of the better uh, better plot lines they did. Um, big big point. Uh, enjoyed the hell out of the movie thought some of the stuff was kind of forced and, and you know people are probably gonna hate me for this but i thought some of the um uh drax humor in the movie was too forced it was almost like they were kind of pushing it that he was supposed to be now the comic relief kind of thing because everybody came back and said it i thought in the first one his his lines were appropriately placed and just kind of you know they, they hit him just right it, it felt like they were just forcing his jokes more in this one i don't know that was just my personal opinion so Dave, on that, just to just to say, I was actually worried about that too after leaving the theater. But when I went and saw it the second time, I was, you know, pretty happy that for for the majority of them, they definitely still hit just as hard the second time. Okay. Completely respectable opinion though, because they clearly saw like I think all of us discussed. He kind of stole the show in the first one with in terms yeah. of the humor and Sean, like you said, the dry <laughs> humor was just fantastic and so unexpected. Um, and so they definitely, you know, they did go for that this time around and and I, I think you know maybe there were a couple instances where you know it probably won't la maybe stand the test of time or rewatching. but I, I think you know for the most part they all they all stayed strong so Matt you're you're in a unique position that you actually went and saw it twice I don't know if did, did either uh Peter uh Sean did y'all go see it twice by any chance they probably had lives yeah I thought about going yesterday but I didn't I went Saturday to see it the first time and I tried tried to go I was gonna go again yesterday but decided not to so I, I kind of, I don't know about y'all, but I kind of want to go see it again just because I feel like I, you know, now I can watch it a little bit better because it's, but it's rare that I actually want to go see a movie a second time to kind of see how it holds up. I thought it was, it's enjoyable to go watch again. But you know what That's I mean? a great point though, because it's funny, Matt and I saw the movie before you guys. And so Matt and I were exchanging some texts on Friday just to kind of talk through what we thought. And 
that was, I mm-hmm. think, both of ours points when we were texting was we want to go see it again just to kind of see if some of the pieces that bothered us bothered us again and if some of the good parts would hold up. And I know for me, just like you just said, Dave, it's pretty rare when you go see a movie and you immediately leave and say, I want to go see it again. And I think that's a huge yeah. testament to this movie by itself is that we all kind of left and went, yeah, I would I would definitely watch it. And even if it's to watch it to potentially pick at something, you still at least want to go watch it again. I mean, mm. I, I can't name another movie I've seen in the last six months where I said, you know, right afterward, I want to go see it again. Even Civil War, actually, I came out of that and I wasn't dying to go see it again. This one, this one I was really interested yeah. in too. So I think that means something. Yeah, I agree. I might be easier than you guys. I was dying to go see Civil War. Again, but <laughs> it's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> so I watched, I watched Civil War a second time. I got about three quarters of the way of the movie and I was just like, eh. I could do it again after after like the big battle scene. I was just like, eh, I don't really need to see the rest of it. Yeah, I like I liked it, but yeah, this is kind of a uh, a thing that I'm gonna have. It's based off of the Civil War movie, but the the way they used Spider Man in that movie, you know, it was fine and it was good. But I feel like I'm gonna be I'm getting tired of Spider Man. I haven't even seen the movie hasn't even come out yet. That's more of a trailer thing that we talked about earlier. But yeah, I, that's a movie that's got me concerned uh, with the amount of trailers that they've shown. Interesting. I actually did not get that feeling, Sean. So that's that's interesting. I, I, I mean, I may just not have seen enough trailers of it to be bothered by it. Maybe. I feel like I've seen the whole movie already. That's what's got me <laughs> concerned. But the the fact that they showed him not in the suit, yeah, pissed me off. Like that. All right. Whole that, thing, I'll that, agree with that. So that, I'll agree yeah. with that. I'm looking forward to the movie. So I'm hopeful. But Sean, Sean makes good points on it. I know listeners have said we talk too much about how trailers gave everything away, but guys, I mean, it's true. It's true. I do want to say I do want to say something though that I think would be interesting because I think we all enjoyed this movie a decent amount. I think it'd be interesting to kind of talk about some of the nitpicks just because a I kind of want to see if you guys thought the same thing as I did for some of the ones, and I'd just be curious to see what you guys thought. And I think it will kind of lead us to different areas. So I'll just give I'll just give one that I caught. So I don't know about you guys, but for me, some of the transitions in this movie kind of threw me off. So I mean, the main thing was. There was a few random scenes where, you know, you'll see it in other movies where they kind of do the screen wipe or the quick cutaway from from planet to spaceship and so on and so forth. I don't know about you guys. There was a few times where either the music was poorly placed or somebody ended on a weird final sentence of dialogue and they just jumped or they ended a sentence and then they left it for a second second or two and then jumped to the next scene. So I don't know about you, but there was a few times where that kind of pulled me out of the movie. Did anybody else notice that when you were watching? Yeah, Peter, just just that, I think we, that's one of the things we did talk about. And there were a couple instances that I definitely noticed again the second time. But uh, over, overall, they didn't stand out as much and they didn't bug me as much the second time around. So either I was more distracted the second time just by the pure virtue of enjoying it again or just wasn't paying attention as closely but there were definitely a few instances of that so was it more of an editing type thing where it was just like yeah yeah Yeah. it wasn't it wasn't effects or anything it literally was so i'm guessing you didn't pick it up for me it was Uh, some of them i don't okay yeah it was just you know the way they spliced it together it just kind of seemed odd i don't know sean did you catch any of that type of stuff yeah well a couple but i i think uh when they were doing the um the the scene with just I guess we're doing spoilers, but Rocket and uh what's his name? Uh Yandu and the Sean Gunn when they're jumping the uh jumping around uh from different yeah, hyper jump, whatever you want to call it. That kinda was I I kinda see what you're saying there. And I don't know if that's the that's 
that was one thing that I noticed on that, but I don't know if that's the one you're talking about or not, or if that's one of them. I, I think that was, I think there was a part in there and then I honestly can't remember. Um, and I think it's a good thing and it doesn't mean much for the movie in that I had a good time. So it didn't totally stick my brain, but there was, there was some other random one. So I think that w- must've been one that was solely something that bothered me and maybe it was too much, uh, focus on the movie. I don't know what, uh, Matt, what about you? What anything that bothered you when you? And I guess you saw it twice. So anything that bothered you both times? So the two, there's, there's. I'm gonna, I am gonna do a good and a bad. So the, the there's an opening scene to the movie that's on on Earth. Um, spoilers. The opening scene to the original Guardians was also on Earth, so you're fine. Um, but then they jump to the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the the first scene is is Gamora doing just the straight exposition of. Chris Pratt asks her, why, asks her why she has a gun instead of a sword, which is fun. We saw it on the trailer, you know, nice, nice little banter between the two of them. But she does, she gives this whole, you know, thing of they they didn't hire us to protect these batteries from this intergalactic beast, and I'm not going to protect them with a sword. I need a gun, or it, it's just too much. It could have just been a quick, yeah, it's a big monster. I'm going to use a gun. I'm not going to use a sword. But she just gave like the whole background of what they were hired to do, and it was completely unnecessary because obviously they were hired to do it. They're not just fighting monsters for for no reason. Or in like two scenes later, we were gonna we would have been found out that they were hired. So it was just way too much exposition, and I was kind of it, it pulled me out of the movie, and it was so quick into the movie it, it made me concerned for the rest. I was like, is this what the rest of the movie is gonna be? Um, but immediately thereafter, they do a go ahead. No, I was gonna. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I I was in the same boat. I was like, that was a very forced scene. Yeah. That that did the thing, and yeah, it definitely kind of killed. And I was actually like, same you. I was very worried about the movie at that point. I was yeah. like, crap. Yeah. So. I, um. But you. Good. Oh, I was just gonna add a good one. But if you have more bad, go bad. Well, no. So the other one you, you're actually saying in that whole exchange, uh, the rocket um, scene with uh, with Quill about the uh, the tape. So, I don't know if you remember the trailer, it was very, it was a quick kind of, uh, they kind of showed that scene, and it was only maybe like two seconds long, their, their little banter, but I felt like in the movie, they just took it and ran with it way too long. Did y'all feel that same way, that scene where he went and checks with everybody about the tape? About, Did anyone else about bother the music? By that scene? Do you mean like at the beginning no, when they're talking no, about... No, 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 okay. no, 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 this is the very beginning, this is towards the end when... When he's looking for tape to put over a button, and they they show the scene. Oh the yeah, but it's but he goes. Oh yeah, yep. and and I thought the way they put it in the trailer was like perfect. It was quick and to the point. It was a good joke, but like they took it and it ran for like <laughs> twenty five seconds, yeah. and I'm like, if they would have done it one, if he would have went and checked it with one person and they made some kind of and yelled at him or something like that, but he went through every freaking person on the team, and I'm like, oh my god. Seriously, is this happening right now? It's like, like the dead horse is being beaten. Yeah, it's like, oh god. So I'm gonna detract on that. I actually was very pleased when they when they still had it in the movie. I was worried because we all saw it in the trailer and laughed. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think it should be in the movie. But when they did it and then tacked on a few more to it, especially when um, he asked if he, if he asked Nebula specifically, and he did the well, yeah. Well, she was standing right next to him. I, I thought that was good. <laughs> that was pretty I, so good. I thought that, I thought so they actually some of like was, went right up to like good. being, uh, and then they just they got it right at the right point. So I, I was I was pretty pleased with it. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna piggyback on David there. I I was like, eh, this is, you know, it's okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, some of the jokes in that were good. I, I agree with the Nebula little conversation, but 
but I, I just I, maybe if they would have just cut to that one or something. I don't know. When he kept asking everybody, and I'm like, oh shit, he's gonna ask every single one of them, <laughs> and they're gonna do a little joke on every single one. Oh god, please no. So come uh, on, come on. Dave Bautista had a good one too. Drax had the Scotch tape. The typical, that that was a good one. Would yeah. this work? <laughs> that was, would this uh, work? Oh, you don't. You still don't have that. Why does Why does it matter? Be asked for, yeah. So uh, that, was, that was that yeah, was pretty that's good. funny. But that's again, that's like the Drax humor that I think I, I yeah. tend to side to like. But uh, the thing I'll jump in here and say what bothered me. So I know I've talked about this, and I seem to always bring it up, but product placement in movies and product placement when it doesn't really make any sense. Dairy Queen, like, what is the reason that there's a Dairy Queen in this movie twice? Other than the <laughs> fact that I knew that I know that there's a Dairy Queen Guardians of the Galaxy Blizzard that that was being sold, so I knew that there was going to be some sort of tie-in going into it. I understand the Sony placement because of Walkman and music's being, a, you know, it's set starts in the '80s. He gets abducted essentially when in the '80s. He has a Walkman. I understand that they're going to keep showing that product. Great, but. Dairy Queen, like what, like what are we doing? Uh, like I just was like that was so annoying to me from the jump. Like that was one thing that I picked up. And then when I, when you know, goes back again, shows the seed, flower, whatever we call it, I was like, oh great, this is gonna be another Dairy Queen scene, and there it was. And I still still didn't make me want to get any blizzards at Dairy Queen. Uh, after I left the theater. That's pretty funny. I'm I'm thinking you probably it bothered you more because you actually knew about the. Dairy Queen promotion because I didn't know about it and for me the, oh yeah yeah it just came across as I, I don't know they were in the they were in the middle of nowhere well yeah exactly everybody the, everywhere in the middle of nowhere has a Dairy Queen that, that's yeah. exactly exactly how I they were like in yeah. a podunk town and it was you know back in the eighties you're like okay in the eighties Dairy Queen was the thing so it made sense and then when they showed it again it was like oh so basically this flower is still in this podunk town and there's just a basically only a Dairy Queen. So that's how it hit me. But if I, I think if I would have seen the promotion, it probably would have caught me. Yeah, that's sorry. So that, that's my little diatribe for that. Uh, or I guess that my little uh, quip with it. And, and another thing that kind of irritated me a little bit to follow up on what we talked about at the beginning of the movie with the scene, how it just jumps into it. I feel like when they were, uh, when they crashed on the planet and they were, trying to get the ship back up and running again with this time with rocket. I, I feel like he did such a great job with his little one, one off one liners too with Groot. And in this one, it was a little bit stranger because when he would try to have an interaction with Groot, it was a little awkward as if, I don't know, I, I guess as if you would say that it was, he, he wasn't really like the father figure to Groot. Like I feel like Drax and Groot had a more of a, like the relationship in this one. And then every now and then like they'd try to force rocket in like there was in the original guardians. And I, I, I guess that kind of wasn't a little irritating to me too. It was like, they're trying to have two bromance bromances, I guess you would say, or even three, if you count one that we talked about earlier too, with Yondu and rocket. But uh, it was just kind of like, you know, what do they want rocket to be in this movie? I kind of, I kind of want to tack onto that because I, I think that was a subtle gripe for me was was Rocket actually. I thought he was a lot, a lot tamer in this one. She, his part I didn't think was as strong. I liked it. I liked it closer to the end. I liked him and Yondu, and I liked their relationship as the movie went on. But the beginning of the movie, I didn't like what they were doing with him, and then they kind of had him have a little spat with Star Lord, which I thought could have been interesting, but then. 
I think when they split up the team, you didn't get too much interaction from Rocket and you didn't get to see as much fun from him. It seemed like he was a lot angrier in this movie. So that that was kind of a weird thing for me. I, I thought by the end it got a lot better, but that intro with him and kind of the opening scenes were a little rough for me. So I agree with you there, Sean. Yeah, it was a, it was an abrupt and in I guess we're gonna when go to it. Um so this movie actually takes place there's a quick you know it doesn't it's not really you know a dramatic call out but they do a opening scene in 1980 and then they do 34 years later which we all know based on math is 2014 um making this only a few months after the original Guardians of the Galaxy and there, you know there's lots of talk about that um you know one from the perspective of this is like the first Marvel movie to not be in real time you know, this, you know, wouldn't be taking place in 2017, it's 2014. But with that in mind, that means it's even closer to the events of the first Guardians of the Galaxy. So you'd think they'd all still be kind of riding that, the high from the their first kind of work as a team. And you jump right into it and there's kind of some animosity between between uh, Peter Quill and uh, uh, Rocket Raccoon that kind of, you know, at fir- the first scene, it doesn't seem like it's there. And then you know, soon thereafter, they're they're squabbling, and you know, kind of came out of nowhere. But, but that's fine. And and yeah, you know, Captain America wasn't necessarily live. If you want to get, you know, if you want to mince hairs, but when they do come out, it does come out after Iron Man. So when when you're no longer during World War Two, um, it does come out after Iron Man. So this is the first one to not, as far as I know, I could be mistaken, but this is the first one to not fall right in that timeline. But. Uh, one one more thing to add to that. So you got you talked about Groot and maybe the relationship between Drax. I think one thing that I noticed was that, you know, when I see Baby Groot, I assumed he still had like the mental capacity or like the memory and everything of the original, you know, of the Groot from the original Guardians. Um, but his his uh, his kind of I guess baby nature. I think the idea is that he's basically growing again as like a new Groot. So I think he's you know doing like the baby developments and things like that. So I thought that was a really interesting take. It took me a little bit into the movie to get it. They were having a lot of fun and a lot of jokes related to trying to get a baby to do something. And I was like, just because he's small doesn't mean he needs to, you know, be missing out, you know, <laughs> be making all these mistakes. And then it finally clicked. Oh, he's literally a baby that's developing. So it, it added a lot of fun uh, between some serious scenes in the movie. But what did you guys think about Groot? How would you guys like him? I, I thought he was used just just enough. Yeah, and I'll jump in here because I think that the baby Groot kind of relates a little bit to what I think was really good about this movie, and uh, and it comes with the Ravagers. I thought the Ravagers storyline was was interesting in this one, but the scene where Baby Groot is on the Ravager ship trying to help Rack- Rocket Raccoon and trying to help out uh, Yondu to get out of the prison cell was hilarious. Like I. When he comes back and they're basically like, this is what you need to get. Like, you remember the thing on my head? Get that. And he just keeps coming back with just random shit. And then to your point, Matt, when he's talking about how you were talking about how he's like has the capacity of a child. He sees the candy when he when the drawer is finally open and uh, and which Sean Gunn's character. I can't remember the, the name off the top of my head. Uh, it's like Craglin. 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 Yeah. So when Craglin basically is like. It's right there. <laughs> and then he sees the candy next to the thing. And, and you're like, holy shit, is he going to mess this up again? But it, yeah, that was, uh, that was one of my favorite scenes. And just to follow up on another one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was in that prison scene when they, when they finally get out. 
Uh, and Yandu gets his uh, his little talent, I guess you can call it, back uh, with the arrow. And they start, they're like, we need music. And they, he's like, does Quill have any sh music left in here? And then the song uh, Come a Little Closer by Jay and the Americans. I thought that very that nice. song was just hilarious. It, it was very similar to the scene with uh, Sweet Dreams with Quicksilver in uh, X-Men, Days of Future, was it Days of Future Past or which one? Uh, Apocalypse. Yeah, you're Sorry. correct. Yeah. No, it's Apocalypse. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, but yeah, I thought that that scene was very similar with the music and how it played into the scene. And when they're just walking through and basically just obliterating every single person on the ship, it was awesome. And the the true power of the arrow that that Yandu wields was seen. We saw it a little bit, I guess, at the end of the original Guardians of the Galaxy when he crashes his ship and they're all surrounding him, uh, the Kree are surrounding him, and he's basically like he just takes out all those guys. Very very reminiscent of that, and it was just cool how they had the overhead shot. How it was like a you know an overhead shot of the whole prison. You can see like the map of the layout and the arrow just weaving back and forth throughout, just killing all the people. It, it, that was my favorite scene in the movie. I was just like, I was like, yes, yes, do it, do it. Uh, me and all the six and seven year old kids at nine thirty on Saturday morning were getting hyped. So uh, yeah, and it's a ship. Sorry, not not a prison. It's a prison on a ship. It was a cell on a ship. Well, all right. Well, Sean, I'll give you this. I agree with you on that. That was actually a great scene where him and Rocket were just having a ball, just killing every single guy as they were running up to the... I don't know if it was the bridge or more like the security office. I'm not really sure. It looked like the security office that they were held up in, and they were just looking through. I thought it was a great, great scene as well. And even, even Groot got to get his... Uh... Get his revenge a little bit. So he did. Oh, yeah. Did a little work. Bloodthirsty, nice. too. Like, broke that guy's neck. What? Oh, God. What was that guy? Um, He looked extremely familiar, and I cannot place him. Which guy? Taserface? He's been in a few oh. things. But... Taserface? <laughs> God, that's the best. I, that character. was kind of oh, that God, was kind that stupid, was... too. Well, I, I, Taserface, I you might have recognized because he was in all of our favorite movies, Morgan. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Good call. But uh, that, that was a good. Good. Uh, what? What was the scrotum nipples or something? Was the other the alternative name? Um, that was good fun. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, that was. I thought that was a good scene where he was just making fun of him on it. Um, so another strong Groot scene, I think, and obviously there's plenty of them. But right after Gamora does that that scene, that kind of exposition scene that really killed it for me. Um, Groot, you know, being a baby and playing with you know anything it can find, and it happens to be. Uh, a stereo and he turns it on and it's Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra, which is just a fantastic song. So I was very excited to hear that in the movie. And just the way they shot that entire opening scene where you think you're going to see him fight this monster, but instead it's just baby group dancing with the actual fighting in the background. And, you know, it's not the first movie to do that kind of thing, but I, I thought it was really well done. And he had baby group, you know, kind of getting distracted by other things happening and just overall good with a great song happening. I, th I thought that was a lot of good fun. I, I think what made that work so well, too, is that you anybody who's seen the trailers, you know, when the movie kicks off, you go, OK, well, we've already seen some of this in the trailer and now we're going to get to see some of the pieces and parts. And then to your point, Matt, you actually don't even see the battle. So it, it makes it it makes it even better that you've seen in the trailer because you haven't nothing's been given away. You haven't missed out on anything in the movie. So you're, you're still able to catch all the, the fun about it. And then I, in terms of using a lot of the great inside jokes during that scene, I mean, at one point, 
Drax falls right next to Groot and Groot pauses the same way he did at the end of the first Guardians and, you know, stops dancing because uh, Drax is looking at him. So they play off on a lot of the the fun inside jokes of the first movie right to kick off this one. So I think when you look at I, I think this is a question for you guys. When you look at the opening for this one compared to the last one, I mean, how do you think it stacks up? I know for me, I think it's as strong, if not better. I, I'm, I'll agree with you. I enjoyed the first one's uh, opening scene. I can't think of the song that they uh, they played. It's coming it to, get your it, love, it just, right? Is it coming get your love? Come okay, yeah. Love. It just fit perfectly, and, and the same thing with this this movie. They they, and I think this is one thing we want to talk about was the the, the music, the the score on this one was. I don't know about y'all. I thought it was as strong. I was a little concerned based on the the release of the uh, soundtrack. Like they they named all the songs, and I was listening to it beforehand. I was a little concerned how they were going to tie it in, but I thought it worked as well as the first one. How, what do y'all think on that? So can I just insert one thing real fast? The storyline yep. with David Hasselhoff to me was was either it was funny as hell, and then it kind of got like a little like they kept bringing it up, and I'm just like, are they going to keep going with this then? Huh? Uh, and I think it's, it's funny Hoffman. how like Come on. they basically said that he was looking for a uh, David Hasselhoff-esque figure. He's like, you could be my Hasselhoff. <laughs> That was I thought that was pretty funny for the most part, and the just and going along with the soundtrack that this the closing credits song after all the closing credits was the uh, at the very end was the, was that song that James Gunn had specifically recorded by David Hasselhoff for this movie it was pretty funny too. It's like uh, it's basically just quoting he's narrating this story yet to some sort of seventies eighties esque disco music. In the background, was, that was—I thought that song was pretty funny too. But uh, did you guys hear that uh, song at the end of it? I did not catch the the. Song. I thought it was just a good closing song. I didn't actually listen to it, unfortunately. No, I'm it's, a little upset. Yeah, go, it's on the soundtrack. It's funny. It's it's basically just David Hasselhoff narrating the movie, and he's like, he says a line like, uh, "Why would would I bring a baby into a battle?" <laughs> and it's like a baby tree, like baby grew. Just it's pretty funny. Uh, it had me laughing at least because uh, he's a pretty popular singer in Germany. So, got to play to the Europeans. Dang straight. <laughs> all right. So, let's talk about the antagonists. So, I don't think we've actually addressed this at all. There were two antagonists in this movie. Uh, first up was the, the Sovereign, I believe. So, the Sovereign were the gold members. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So, you've had, you had uh, the Sovereign who were the somewhat interesting uh, race of people that you probably saw in the trailers. Um, and then you also had Eos, which, you know, Ego? he was set up originally. That was a cur- Ego, excuse me. E- Ego, excuse me. That he's was, talking that was about, uh, he's talking about Volkswagen models. <laughs> so Eos is actually a, which is messed up as a planet in freaking Mass Effect Andromeda that I'm playing. So understandably arguing. Crossing right paths. Crossing um, paths. Anyway. Nerd alert. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come on. Nerd alert on the, on a podcast, but yeah, <laughs> not to give anything away or anything. Uh, anyway, so you had uh, Ego, who was uh, Kurt Russell's uh, character, uh, as it was revealed to be a brain inside of a planet. I don't know if how y'all felt about that, uh, but let's talk about the uh, the Sovereign first. What y'all think about them overall as a as a as an as an antagonist or as a people? We can go with that. I'm just gonna jump in. So. I thought it was, I thought they were interesting when they first revealed them just in terms of, you know, the, the look overall. And I thoroughly fell in love with them when 
she goes down to the snow planet to visit Yondu, and they're dragging the the uh, tarp over the snow slowly as she she waddles out to talk to him. I thought that was probably one of the funniest scenes in the opening of the movie. And then the other thing that I loved about him was the fact that their spaceships were basically a bunch of uh, arcade games, and they even played uh, music and sound effects <laughs> as they great. were shooting yes. as if it was a video game. So like an arcade. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those throwaway villains that really had no, you didn't need them in the movie, nor did you even need to well, care about them, but, uh, but they played them pretty but well. Do you really, but do you really, I, 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 okay. I'm sorry, Peter. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's good. Okay. No, I was going to say like it, they kind of played a vital role and then they kind of set up something to come, which we can discuss later well, which i got yeah, yeah so we, we'll we're gonna discuss that. that's, that's much more important. yeah i think you're to- i think you're totally right but uh, but when you think about the scheme of the movie like that could have been anybody so i mean it, they didn't play a huge part so to your point we'll talk about the end credit scene they do something there but you know that right. that wasn't um it, it wasn't necessary to use the sovereign and nothing that the sovereign did in the movie i mean anybody could have uh, could have taken their place, but I will say they they played kind of the the B the B uh, villain pretty well. They were the they were the background yeah. villain, yeah. and and you know they they were all assholes, <laughs> which was hilarious. I thought at least, um, but yeah, I agree. But actually, uh, interesting. Uh, did y'all notice who the general was uh, that was that was overseeing all the 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 fleet? Grievous. Anybody recognize him? Huh. <laughs> that was a Star Wars reference, David. So, so Matt, Matt, you know what? No matter what I will do, there was no way anything that's remotely Star Wars, I assume, comes out of your mouth because of your hate for everything that is a Death Star. So I apologize. I didn't catch that one. But did y'all notice who the, the general was by any chance? Or the the admiral, I'll call him. I did not. Nothing? Little little throwback to... Little throwback to some sci sci fi shows, uh, Stargate. Oh, you're and, right. Uh, yep. I'm trying to think of the other show he was in that um, they basically stole all the cast from once they ended it. Um, but it was uh, wasn't he in Jag too? Yes, <laughs> that's a throwback show. Yeah, it, well, he was a, such a oh. random actor to have. That was one of those actors when you see and you're like, did this guy like? Did he just become very unpopular and happen to be on set? Uh, his name is Ben Browder. Ben Ben Browder. Yep, there was another show he was on. I'm trying to think. It was a sci- another sci-fi show that apparently was a huge hit, and I cannot think of it. He was the only human. Oh, he was the guy in like Farscape. A, Farscape. Yeah, Thank there you. we that go. Was it. Okay. Yeah, and then they ended that show, and then they took half the cast from that and added Stargate SG One, which was kind of an interesting uh, thing. But that, that's always a nice little throw to see him in a movie every once in a while. But uh, yeah, uh, anybody else have any opinions on the Sovereign before we go into our real villain? The Sovereign itself, to me, initially when they showed, I thought it was going to be, and, and I guess this kind of capitalizes on what Peter was saying, but like I, I thought they were going to play a bit role in this whole thing of just like being the, the setting for the first battle that they had prior to setting up the rest of the movie. I didn't really think that it was going to be one act from Rocket to, <laughs> to take the batteries, that, would, that the batteries were going to end up being something that was going to be carried throughout the film um, and end up being end up being basically the, the, the tool that brings the demise of ego. But I, I mean, maybe that, maybe that is all relative and maybe it is all valuable or not valuable, but maybe it is all important to, to the storyline, which, you know, kudos to James Gunn it, it, for it, making it, it work it was, out. But. He, he, he definitely, I mean that, so 
for, to that his point, it it tied everything properly together, because you know the the batteries were used later in for a certain aspect. Um, the and sovereign because there they were, were a def- couple of subtle things throughout too where they were referenced as, a, as motivations for characters doing certain things. So yeah, nice. and then like the sovereign, the sovereign's defeat, you know, at the very end of the movie drove them to do what happened in the in the uh, in the uh, end credit uh, scene. So we'll talk about that when we get to that point. I want to hold all those till the end. So uh, I want to touch on the sovereign a little bit. Um, I I agree with Sean. I thought they were going to be kind of like the throwaway opening, kind of just introduce introduce you to a type of people and not care about them. I was actually pretty happy with the sovereign. I, I really liked the kind of introduction, but I'm glad they weren't a bigger a bigger piece. I'm glad they're just kind of the second second fiddle villain, if, if that makes sense. Um, I don't think they could have done an entire movie. But I think this movie was better, even though they weren't necessary to the plot. I think this movie was better having them in it. Um, I thought they were good fun, and I thought the kind of culture or culture and and the way they were depicted was was super interesting. So I enjoyed that. But on to bigger and more planetary evils. So ego, do you want to go into that? Let's do it. So what y'all's uh, what y'all's feelings on ego as a as a villain overall? Even though Kurt Russell is apparently considered one of the best-looking men in, in the universe in, in the fact that he apparently laid with a lot of women. Or, I don't know if they actually would be women in, half the, uh, the, in the rest of the universe, but we assume that people. We'll he made it with a lot of people. Well, at least we know that's why where Peter Quill gets his interest in laying with Ascovarians, because his father would do it. Oh, there, there we go. <laughs> the, the, man, <laughs> the man who lays with the Ascovarians. Like father, like son. Da-da-ch. Um, good job, good job, Peter. <laughs> when I when I heard Ego was in this, I knew it was a planet, and I've seen I've seen pictures, you know, images of it. I probably had the card, maybe just kind of like kind of we saw the Guardians. I think not. Sorry, not the Guardians, the Watchers. Um, and with Stan Lee as his cameo, he was with the Watchers. I don't know anything about the Watchers, but I was kind of familiar with what they look like. Um, so same thing with Ego. So I knew Ego was a planet. So I didn't understand how they were going to do this, and I didn't really have high expectations for how they were going to portray it. I was really impressed with how they did the planet, um, how they did Ego, and, and even there were a couple of scenes where you kind of see the f- kind of a face on the planet, and that's exactly why, and I thought they did a great job with that. Um, they obviously did a lot of emotional kind of father-son things in a, in a really short period of time, and also led us to kind of have that evil villain um, aspect to it, so... I was impressed with how much they fit into the movie. But yeah, overall, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, what about you, Sean? Yeah, I, to echo your little sentiment there, I, I thought the planet, knowing that Ego was a planet, I thought it was really cool how they integrated that into the film. Um, but a little bit of the, I have to say that this is kind of part of the father-son relationship that you were mentioning, but... I thought the the guy that stood out the most of this whole movie was Michael Rooker as uh, Yondu. I mean, I I thought his character really shone uh, shone shined bright uh, brightly in the movie. Um, he kind of made the, a couple of funny lines about the uh, the I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. That was that was great. That's a classic line. I've seen a lot of uh, memes with that uh, after the fact, and I also believe that him making the line that. You know, you can have your father, and, and then you, there's your daddy. I'm your daddy, boy. That was I thought that was pretty funny as well. Um, but I guess I'll ask David then. What do you think? Like, what do you think about ego and the whole daddy father thing? 
Uh, I actually thought it was kind of an, uh, an interesting character bring, bringing it in. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I don't know about y'all, but I felt like when, they, when, he was, when he first brought him to his planet, or I guess Ego's planet, whatever they ended up calling it. I, I don't know if they just called it Ego. Anyway, he, uh, uh, I felt like it was getting a little too good to be true. Did y'all get that same kind of feeling as well when it was kind of, it was popping up, and I was waiting to see what the catch was the whole time. And I think some of the characters in the show or the movie kind of felt the same way, but I was kind of on the edge. I was like, maybe, maybe he could be good. Maybe I'm like, it is Kurt Russell. Let's be honest. When has Kurt Russell ever really been a bad guy? Can anyone name a movie? Nothing. Snake Plissken. That's not a bad guy. He's an anti-hero. Exactly. So. They threw us off with that one. However, I do enjoy the fact that they made him look, and, and Sean, you, you hit this earlier, how they made him look very Hasselhoffy in the uh, and when he was younger. I thought that was very, very interesting. Uh, but I know, and I, I can we can kind of tie this in for Matt, because I know he was a very stickler on this, but the uh, the statues, I'm, gonna, I'm not really sure what those things were, the how the uh, how he kind of explained his story. I don't know if you remember. Uh, yeah, they use they basically use they basically use porcelain statues. To yeah, kind of it was very they're almost like dioramas, but of porcelain. It it seemed kind of unnecessary. I'm sure they were going for like you know it was, it was nice and consistent. Maybe if you're a god, you like porcelain. I don't know, but um, well, but so so I gotta see because we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Did anybody else get reminded of the scene in Man of Steel when he was being explained the history of Krypton? You guys remember that? So Superman's sitting in a spaceship and randomly these weird, uh, you know, statues are being formed around him and explaining it through these, you know, cartoonish figures. That's the same thing that I got from this movie. I don't know if anybody else thought of that, but it, it also bothered me. So I'm totally with you, Matt. When they were doing that, I just thought it was the most random thing. I will say, though, I will say it it actually turned out to make a lot more sense when you find out the truth about ego. And I don't know if we want to spoil that, but um, the, the fact that he had dioramas made more sense when they actually say, you know, what Ego's uh, master plan was. Anybody anybody want to know why I think that? Yeah, I'm curious Please. as to why you think that. So, so spoilers, uh, even though we spoiled half of it already. Um, <laughs> so yes, Peter, are you a daddy or a father? Yeah. <laughs> so, so ego, right, is trying to populate basically the galaxy because he needs a offspring to help him to spread his seed. And so he explains through again through the statues that he went and impregnated everybody, and also explains how he's brought hundreds, if not thousands, of other uh, basically other Peter Quills to his planet to try to raise and they've all failed. So when you think of it in that context, it makes sense that he'd have these statues because he'd probably get really, really bored of explaining it through words. So he probably just built himself some statues so he could very quickly explain it the thousands and thousands of times he's done it. 
No, I, I get, I get that, but I mean, there's better ways to, there's better ways to, to do it. He could have done, he could have done popsicle diorama. I, <laughs> so I totally agree with yeah, you. I mean, I, definitely popsicles. I will say it redeemed itself though when he had the diorama of the creepy, uh, you know, porcelain him having sex with all these different alien species. I think that redeemed all the other dioramas. If that never happened, first off, first off, let's 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 preface that he was not having sex with them. He was just making out with them so that people are not grossed out by the fact that he's trying to have sex with a bunch of aliens yeah, PG-13. sorry guys sorry guys pg pg speaking of anybody else futurama fans when uh and get 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 reminiscent of uh when leela goes to the the guy that can shapeshift planet and uh he's having like five weddings with all he's basically turning himself into these other aliens so he can he can marry them and have sex with them I think that's where they. I think that's where Ego got the idea from that Futurama episode. <laughs> By your lack of reaction, I assume nobody has a clue what I'm talking nope. about. But you should watch more Futurama. Is the lesson that kind of sounded like there. a Rick and Morty episode too? Yes, that actually does. <laughs> anyway, uh, so ending. All right, so we we've been talking. We've been talking Yandu. We had a brief little, uh, brief little discussion about how he was the father figure for. Uh, for Peter Quill, it was something that kind of popped up toward the end um, that Peter kind of realized that he was actually his father figure, or is actually his father, as opposed to Ego, who was kind of a piece of shit dad, if you if you think about it. Um, we didn't actually mention that uh, the reason I don't know if y'all remember back in the first one uh, what Peter Quill's mother died from, which was uh, she had a brain tumor, maybe. Uh, but Ego reveals that he actually had to do that to her to uh, so he wouldn't actually go back to planet Earth. Pretty pretty effed up situation. But this brought into an interesting thing was that Yondu was actually protecting him the whole time as opposed to being a piece of trash. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I thought his 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 character's, uh, I guess his development arc, I thought it was probably the most interesting one that popped up in this show, in, in this movie. Uh, unfortunately, they ended it with his death. How did y'all, how did y'all end up feeling about that, uh, the whole circle on that? And, you know, we can also mention a little bit about, about uh, Sly's... Uh, role in that particular st- uh, scene if y'all want so uh sean why don't you go in for it yondu's death how you feeling about that or the the father-son relationship between the two yeah i, I mean i think what we learned in this movie was which helped us answer some of the questions from the first first guardians which really the question was you know how did yondu end up with peter and and all that stuff and you kind of get to see a lot of that play out here basically yondu yondu didn't return Peter to Ego because of the fact that he realized how fucked up Ego is and how he was basically, to your point that you mentioned earlier, that he was taking all of these spawns and trying to bring them to the planet and they were all dying and, and he was trying to save Peter by not returning him to Ego, which uh, you then see the relationship sort of how it flourished to where, you know, he used the, the he used the, uh, the analogy, or not the analogy, that the excuse that he saved Peter because he was good, skinny, and small, and good for thieving. So, I I really enjoyed seeing how that relationship played out and how they, the the Cat Stevens song, Father and Son, that played, I thought was awesome. Like that, there's a lot of uh, ways that you see some uh, real depth in those relationships play out in the movie, which I enjoy. I actually enjoyed that part a lot, um, and how he ends up. You know that you see the relationship with him and ego or sort of develop and then you see how that falls apart and then yandu comes in to save the day and it's basically like 
because of the fact that he's that's that's his real that that's his family to use the term that gets thrown out a lot which makes me think of fast and the furious but <laughs> that's a whole nother story but overall i thought that Yandu's character depth in this movie was really strong and that it really did make me sort of feel for that and so that when he i felt for the character and then at the end of the you know when it all comes to the fruition for the payoff he basically saves peter's life and then uh, at the expense of his own so the ravager's funeral then comes up uh and being that how at the beginning of the film which we didn't really mention but sylvester stallone is plays a key role as, as the leader of the ravagers more or less uh and from what i took away from this was the original leaders of the guardians of the galaxy which uh was one of the closing credit scenes that you see with uh another couple powerhouse actors and michael uh in What's the guy's name? Sorry, just completely zoned out. Michael Chiklis? Big, oh, no, Rames. not Chiklis. Bing Rames. Rames. Yeah, Bing Rames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Clark. I almost said Michael Clark Duncan, but I forgot he passed away. I was actually thinking Michael <laughs> Rest Clark. in peace. Yeah, Rest no, in peace. No, yeah. he's dead. So, he, uh, yeah, so Bing Rames and Michelle Yao, who uh, we might know her from some some great action films, uh, those Japanese action films, but those they were all part of the original Guardians, which we kind of learned at the end. But that they all come, all the groups of Ravagers come at the end and basically put on a fireworks show for what they call a Ravagers funeral, um, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I mean, that was really one of the, the cooler parts of the movie and, and the way they, they ended it really sort of tied it all together. But I, I mean, I don't want to ramble on too long. I'll let Peter, I'll let you have some say in this. Yeah, no, I, I and I won't repeat what you said because I, I agree with what you, what you were going with. For me, what I think was interesting about the whole Yondu piece is it's one of the few movies in Marvel that actually kills a character other than Quicksilver, which was mostly useless in, in, uh, uh age of Ultron. And that movie wasn't very, and a different, <laughs> Oh, sorry. I was thinking of the wrong Quicksilver. I was like, no, yeah, oh, Quicksilver. Wrong, wrong Quicksilver. No, you're, yeah. wrong, you're Quicksilver. Right. Wrong, wrong Quicksilver. Yeah, he, I suck. He, My bad. He's still alive. Jeez, man. Gosh, he is. I just, it's been a while. <laughs> No, well, no, but that goes with what I was going to say, which was it was it was a useless, you know, death in that movie because nobody really cared about that character. And, and that movie itself wasn't a great movie. But this is one of the few movies where they actually play with the fact that you can kill characters and really kind of beef up the way you think about the rest and, and, and your feelings for the rest of them grow stronger because of the relationships they have. So. Um, I thought they did a really good job with that and it was a great send off. I will say from a sly perspective, I didn't love the first scene he was in mostly cause it always sounds like he has like a ton of marbles in his mouth. Every time he talks, you can never understand what he's saying. And then, um, I thought, I thought his final, his final scene was good. And I thought that was interesting. I'm not jazzed if they're going to have bring him back. Cause I, he didn't, he didn't really blow me away and I, maybe that's blasphemy, but uh, back to Yondu, um, I thought they did a great job connecting the dots in this story with his character, and it was a great send-off. And I, I'm actually pretty bummed that we're not going to see him anymore because you really start to like him. And even the first movie, you like him, even though he's he's a pretty big dick. So, um, I, yeah, overall, that that's kind of my thoughts. Uh, uh, Dave, what did you think? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as everybody else. Um like I said, you know, the, I, I really liked the Yondu character arc the entire time. I thought that was his, his and Rockets were my two favorites of the entire series, or at least for this movie. Sorry, not the series. Um, but yeah, I, the 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 whole idea behind the the funeral 
was again also one of my favorite parts and how they kind of you know previewed all the captains and how they actually respected him and how his um how yandu was actually originally thrown out or exiled because of the uh you know um smuggling children to ego which would have was the main reason why he uh brought back peter or did not bring back peter excuse me why he was hired to bring back peter um but I liked how he kind of, you know, he hit a full circle, came back, became a hero again. Because I don't know if y'all remember uh, back in the day that was Yandu was originally. I think I mentioned this in the, the previous one was that Yandu was original, was one of one of the original guardians as well, including. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about later um, in a little bit about the uh, the Sly's character with the uh, the guardians as well. Uh, but you know, I, I'm with Peter. I'm kind of upset that that Yandu was killed. Um, really loved seeing him. I'm slightly slightly intrigued to see if they do again another end scene credit, um, or an end credit um, scene uh, that kind of brings kind of hints at a little bit at something. Sadly, you know, Michael Rooker will not be back because he was kind of vaporized at the very end. But it's kind of the, the whole the whole funeral scene in that aspect was kind of cool. He was kind of vaporized into some kind of rainbow looking little particles, and everybody all the uh, all the different captains were shooting their their fireworks off, so it's kind of a cool. Uh, regarding Sly coming back, I'm intrigued. Um, Peter, I was kind of with you on the fact that he was kind of dull at the very beginning. I was not too pleased with it, but it kind of warmed up to me a little bit after the. So his initial scene where he started talking shit to him, I, I wasn't a big fan of. But as he started talking to him a little bit more, and you can kind of see the. Uh, that they were kind of like brothers in a way. You can kind of see it was just like a fight that... It, it kind of reminded me of like a biker gang. Did y'all get that feeling as well? That they didn't really want to do it, but they have their laws to kind of sit there. Or at least to go over with them. Um, but yeah, overall kind of thing. Very sad. Um, so Matt, how you feeling? How would you think about the, the Yondu? So I, I think you guys... I think you guys kind of hit everything, you know, on, on the head. It, it, you know, for... For you know, our kind of sense from the first movie was Yondu. You know, obviously had some good, good to him for some. You know, the way he cared about Quill, and you know, always gave him kind of an excuse to not, not kill Quill or you know, punish Quill for things that he did, acting out or not. You know, not following his orders. Uh, this movie really just kind of did a great job closing that um, and doing so much more. You know, like they even built a relationship with Yondu and uh, Rocket Raccoon. And even a relationship with Yondu and Groot a little bit, um, so I was I was really impressed the way they did it, um, and you know, and with so many other things going on throughout the movie, you get the full backstory of how Quill ended up with with Rooker, how Rooker ended up being exiled, and and kind of, you know, the, you know, how he, he clearly he's not as evil as is made out to be, and so really impressed and just just love the relationships that they built, which to to Peter's point, it, it's even that more upsetting that he died, but, you know, versus something like when Quicksilver died, you know, Quicksilver, not, you know, they never really developed him much more. This, almost, this whole movie was almost just as much about developing Yondu as it was developing Peter Quill and we lose Yondu. And so but that was a shame. I did like that. We got to see his original, um, Finn. Um, so I thought that was great. And, um, I look forward to seeing if Sean Gunn's brother, and uh, I'm sorry, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, um, whose character you guys have already covered, but I always forget anyway, if he can start uh, using the arrow. Um, though we did get to, get to see some fun um, with him failing at using the arrow towards the end credits. Uh, but, but, yeah. 
All right. So let's do a quick little recap on the the end, uh, the end credits. You, Matt, you just kind of brought us up to that. So there were five of them. Um, I'll go over them real quick. They had one that, that you just mentioned. It was the uh, Kraglin or Sean Gunn's character playing with Yondo Zaro. Kind of got it working. May or may not have inadvertently um, punctured the heck out of uh, uh, Drax. Drax. Thank you. Yeah, he uh, kind of popped the heck out of him. Don't really know what the uh, the repercussions of that are going to be, but I can only imagine this should be interesting and very painful for uh, for Kraglin. Uh, the other one, uh, one other one was uh, a Stalker uh, or Slice character. I'm, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Um, basically, kind of has like a little reunion with the original Guardians. Uh, it was a nice little throwback uh, to those. It's it's a really you know it was kind of an uh, if you don't really know who they were. You probably didn't catch it, but I think everybody online was was going crazy about it. I thought that was kind of cool. Kind of brings up some interesting uh, future storylines if they ever want to pursue it. Uh, the next one was uh, the Sovereign actually uh, talks about creating uh, a new uh, person in one of their birthing chambers, and they call him Adam. We can go into that, who that might be in a, a second. Uh, then they kind of do a scene about Teenage Groot, which was I thought was kind of funny. It was just, you know... He's going through his teenage angst and talking back to Peter Quill, who's basically just talking down to him as an adult. It was fairly entertaining. And then the final one was actually Stanley and the Watchers, and the Watchers were walking away from Stanley because they were getting tired of his stories. Which, let's be honest, why would you ever get tired of his? We've been watching all of his stories for the past. Oh God, where are we at now? How many years have we been watching these Marvel movies? Well, nine, but he also did X Men, so we got plenty of Stanley uh, yeah. credit so it's owed, been, what, owed to him. Seven, so. seventeen years or so. What was it 2003? Hey, but, hey we, were, we were watching the 90s cartoons too. So I mean, let's oh, let's not forget enough. we've been watching we've been watching or reading Stan Lee for forever as long as I've been alive and able to do yeah. those types of things. So, yeah. so all right, quick uh, thoughts on those end credit scenes. Uh, how y'all want to feel? Go, um, Matt. We can start with you. How you feeling on all of them? Just give a quick overview of them. Anything you want to point out on them? So the only the only one that you know I, I thought was kind of an unnecessary one was the Stan Lee one actually, uh, just because we actually saw them Stan Lee talking to the Watchers while the while Yondu and and uh, um, Rocket Raccoon were going through the the hyper hyper jumps. So I thought it was kind of unnecessary to do both. I, I'm not sad it was there, but it it didn't seem like it needed to be in both locations. Um, and then obviously good credit to the original um, comic book. Guardians of the Galaxies, and then two fun ones with, um, with the, as you said, the teenage angst uh, Groot, which you know I think we'll see. That means that I think we're gonna have a full grown Groot, full grown Groot in the in the next one, which is good. I think they used a good level of of uh, baby Groot here, so I'm glad they're not gonna overplay it, and we'll, we'll probably get to a full grown Groot um, in the in the next one. But the, I think the Adam Warlock one is, is gonna be something that's gonna gonna have a lot of conversation leading up to uh, infinity war but uh but yeah what would you got what'd you so think? so so real, real quick on that um matt you brought up a good point but i was just reading an article today that um i who who's directing um infinity uh infinity war one and two the russo brothers so, the russo brothers okay so apparently there's either them or gun made the statement that uh adam warlock will not be in those movies he may have something to do leading up to it, but he may not actually be in the Infinity War movies, apparently. So I thought that was kind of interesting because I think they were – I was reading some articles on him, and they were saying that he uh, 
he's a huge integral in in the uh, the war for the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's one of the the big adversaries for. Uh, um, I'm blanking out Thanos. on, the, on uh, with Thanos. The, yeah, yeah, on Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I think th- there was an original there was an original script treatment for Volume Two where Adam Warlock actually par- played a really big part in it, and then Gunn removed him because he thought it detracted from it. So. From what I read, I think he's going to be a big part of three, which and three is supposed to set up phase four and beyond, I guess, or the next decade of Marvel movies. So so I think you're right. It'd be interesting to see how much they use him, if at all, in Infinity Stones and then, um, you know, what what they end up doing with him in general. So um, and one of the things that I know, Sean, you brought this up at the last one uh, about the Soul Stone. That was the one you were you were you kept. You kept pushing about. Apparently, he was the Adam Warlock was the one who found the Soul Stone. So, um, yeah, that's what I was. I thought that was. Good. Uh, actually, was gonna, yeah. I was going to oh, mention sorry. that. No, I was going to touch on that because my whole thing was that the in the actual Infinity War comic, Gauntlet comics, he is like sort of like how Vision has the uh, one of the stones implanted in his like his being. I guess that's sort of what I had thought Adam Warlock was going to end up becoming. Um, but yeah, they kind of squashed all those rumors. So I, I'm really curious to see how they're going to come up. It'll probably end up showing up when we get the Thor Ragnarok here. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the uh, from an end credits perspective, that was my favorite one, followed up by the the Teenage Groot. I thought that was really fun. I thought, you know, a quick little, uh, what, like maybe 30 seconds of just him playing video games and, and mimicking Peter Quill. Uh, but the the other ones were like, I mean, the, the, the arrow was funny, but it wasn't like, really adding anything to set up the next movie or maybe it was, I guess a little bit, but uh, the, and then the, to your point, um, I think Matt touched on this, but I don't really want to see a guardians original, I don't know, a movie with as much as I love Sylvester Stallone. I don't know if I, I don't know if that movie would generate the revenue that these kind of movies are making. I think he's past his prime as well as uh, Ving Rhames and as much as I love Michelle. Yeah. I think that'd be a great addition to, the Infinity Wars movies, which I think they might end up, you know, playing a role, but not like a significant role. But uh, who do we have left here, Peter? What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't, I won't reiterate. I'm, I was a huge fan of the Groot scene. I thought that was funny because it just kind of tied into, you know, we're not only going to see Baby Groot, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I don't know that I want to see a teenage Groot for Volume Three. I, I hope he just goes back to normal Groot. But um, I thought they had a lot of fun with that, and we got to see Peter Quill be. Uh, a dad figure, which is pretty funny. Um, the the Adam Warlock scene I thought was an interesting teaser. Again, he's another one I don't know too much about, so I don't have a ton of strong feelings about it. But I did like, I think we talked about it earlier, how they brought the Sovereign back in. Um, gave them a, a, a fun kind of tie-off for the movie. And then I was glad when you look at the two, I mean, we all love Howard the Duck, but I'm glad we didn't just get one simple Howard the Duck end credits scene. So I was I was glad we got five. I thought that was hilarious. And it's I think it's just a testament to these movies and James Gunn, which is, you know, Marvel does end credit scenes and sometimes they do two scenes. And James Gunn just said, you know, I'm going to do five scenes and just play off how ridiculous and how funny these movies are. I thought. You know, that's just part of the personality. So I'm hoping they do like 50 scenes next time. Like it's just literally 51 second scenes. It'd be really funny. So my, my only thing to 
My only thing to add on to it is not just to they kind of pepper the scenes throughout the, the end credits. They actually had a little kind of Easter eggs and just little fun things throughout the credits. Yeah, good call. So like you couldn't even get up and go to the bathroom. Like there was a there was you know a, a stretch of Marvel movies where I'd watch the first one and then go hit the head real quick and then come back and watch the final one. They they get you to stay there and watch you know David Hasselhoff dancing. You even get a little uh, Jeff Goldblum cameo in the end credits. So I'm super stoked for uh, Thor Ragnarok. But the other fun thing is they have, you know, through the actual credits, the scrolling credits, they had I Am Groot, and then eventually it would be replaced with whatever the actual real text is. Oh, that was I, a good I one. thought that was fun. Yeah, so I didn't they notice just had that. A lot I missed pepper. that. They had a lot peppered in throughout. They had about, I think at least, I counted at least 10 of those where they would put, you know, I Am Groot, but then it was really like music supervisor. Yeah. Just I, like halfway up the screen. I caught that, Matt. Uh, what was the, I, I got to ask, I didn't see that. What was the, uh, the Goldblum uh so piece. they had all the characters kind of dancing. Like you, you, you saw Gamora, you saw Pinocchio. Yeah. They, they were all kind of like faint in the background. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like a scene. It was literally just as they were scrolling by. You had like a little matte painting Ew. version of it. And so one of them was David Hasselhoff. And then I think either before or after there was uh, also, you know, in addition to the real cast. And then there was um, Jeff Goldblum. Was he so, was he dressed as his? He was character drafted, dressed Reg- as his character from. I think um, I remember that. Thor, I, I remember Ragnarok, looking yeah. at it, going, "Who who the heck was that?" I was like, "I don't remember a guy dressed like that in the movie." And and it got me even more excited because that just shows even a closer. You know, you obviously get a good big Guardians of the Galaxy feel from Thor Ragnarok, which makes me very excited. I don't know about you guys, but seeing the Jeff Goldblum in this, you know, just shows the kind of close. Obviously, Jeff Gunn. Uh, I'm sorry. Obviously, James Gunn probably had some. You know, he probably worked with them a little bit on the Thor Ragnarok, or they at least, you know, hash things out or discuss things together, even unofficially. And so, in some capacity, Jeff Goldblum was like, "Hey, I'll do this for that. Sure, why not?" So, I'm pretty, I'm very excited for Thor Ragnarok. I think even more so than Spider-Man: Homecoming. So, yeah, I, I just to touch on that, I think that that's the movie that's going to tie. I mean, it has to be at this point the movie that's going to tie them all together because you've sort of gotten that. I thought it might be in this one that they might have a Marvel uh, Avengers reference, but no, I think it's going to be. Uh, and it has. To, I mean, it has to be at this at this point. The Thor Ragnarok. I mean, wouldn't you all agree? It, it, it's got to be because I mean, what's what's after Thor? Um, I think Black Panther, but I don't know if that's going to. Is that is it yeah, Black Panther I, I, or? I'd have to look up the the list, but yeah, I think. It's, I mean, we're already at what three. Three stones or two stones have already been introduced in a Thor movie. Yeah, so I think that that's where the soul stone is going to come from. Yeah, it's it's probably more than likely. It's probably going to be you know in Goldblum's collection for some strange reason. Um, but so one one particular thing we we've neglected to uh, talk about, and we'll we'll hit it real quick. Um, was an improved uh, version of a of a uh, cassette player was uh, was introduced at the very end. Um, at the very end of the movie, unfortunately. The cassette player with volume two inside of it was was destroyed by ego in his uh, what an ass. But uh, Craglin provided or Sean Gunn, if you want to go that way, uh, provided uh, Peter Quill with a with a new one that apparently they found in some kind of junkyard uh, while they were traveling. Uh, guys, you want to you want to comment on the uh, the new Microsoft new new ish Microsoft product that was uh, introduced to uh, Peter Quill. I mean, he described it perfectly. It's yeah, the device that all the people on Earth are using. It's the device <laughs> that all the people on Earth are using now, so it was, it was, it was well, well placed. <laughs> Yay, but Microsoft. It was, uh, Microsoft Zune. 300 songs, and 
looked like Peter Quill was about to shit his pants when he heard 300, which makes me kind of intrigued of how he's going to put songs on it. I still think the third movie is going to be called Guardians of the Galaxy Zune Playlist. I think that's going to be the, the, the third movie. <laughs> Play, playlist uh, Awesome. It'll just be Playlist Awesome. And then we'll, we'll have to worry about Sean complaining about the product placement for Microsoft. <laughs> for a product that was out 10 years ago. <laughs> if only. Did you, did, did you guys actually, uh, I mean, I've never even played around, worked with, or even done anything on a Zune. Uh, You're so not I, alone. You're I, not alone. Yeah. I mean, no, it was. I remember when they came out, but other than that, I like. I mean, it was a competitor to Apple's uh, iPod. iPod, yeah. So I don't really. It didn't didn't work out, just like uh, HD DVDs and uh, beta tapes. So fell by the wayside. <laughs> so, so not to ruin it for you, but I think that was the joke, Sean. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm tre- So so three hundred songs. So. I'm, so wait, so I'm I'm in I don't know about y'all, but I'm kind of intrigued to see what in volume three they're gonna pick uh, for songs in this. Now that he has the ability to go pick his new songs, you think it's gonna be preloaded with some songs? Emo from, punk. God, what year? It's was gonna this? be emo punk. What was this? It's gonna be nineties. It's gonna be like Janet Jackson music and uh, Paul Abdul. You don't think we'll get Clash? So what year was Zune actually introduced? Two thousand and two thousand two. Two thousand three, maybe. Oh. No. It was, yeah. It had to be oh three oh four, but anyway, whatever. It's going to be like nineties music. It has to be. Well, I mean, I it, it already next... well, it already had the it already had the um, Cat Stevens song on it. So whoever's listening, to whoever's Zoom it was, did at least have some you know classic, uh, t- not cl- you know classical music, but some you know good seventies music's taste. So you know, I think we'll have a good range. I'm glad I'm so right, guys. November two thousand six. Come on, guys. Come yeah. on, get with it. Sounds yeah. to me yeah, like that. Peter owned a Zune and just doesn't want to admit it. He was waiting in line in November. That was actually Peter's. That was actually Peter's that they used in the movie. Yeah, Peter probably. Peter also had the HD preloaded. DVD player trying to sell it to everybody else. <laughs> you, you know how there's always that first guy in line for the new iPhone, and he's there like 60 days in advance. That was me for the Zune, but nobody else ever came. It was just me. <laughs> They never came. The girls never came. The girls never came. Another good movie with a Hasselhoff cameo. Everybody should watch Zero Trip. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. So that's, the references are all coming together. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think the only thing I wanted to add is is, is uh, I can't remember Peter. You said it was in the trailer, but the uh, the the chain. The song I thought that was fantastic. Oh yeah, in the last fight. Totally. So agree. the two favorite songs of mine was the Mr. Blue Sky opening the movie, and then the final song in the movie. Not necessarily the final, but the kind of the most in that pivotal pivotal scene. The chain was just spot on. So even though the, the soundtrack overall might not have been as good as the first one, I think it definitely had fantastic, you know, fantastic placement and good hits on on uh, when they were placed. I, I, so from a from a and, and Matt, I'll agree with you on that. I think the the soundtrack itself, listening to it outside of it, is not as good. I think as the first one, just from the the songs, the, the the ability. But like you said, it's the placement in the movie. It fit perfectly, in my opinion. I mean, it was just the perfect mix for that particular movie. Um, but yeah. Um, so between the volume one and volume two. How are y'all feeling on this one, be, be, ranking these two? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier on, but uh, if you had to put them in order, what would you say? Uh, Matt? I mean, I think I think as of right now, one's got to win it just because I know that it's 
high rewatchability. Uh, but this is going to be, a, you know, right on par with it for me. You know, it, it, uh, maybe a notch behind it. Just the humor was fantastic. Um, they, the fact that it, you know, even lived up to the first one was, uh, you know, praise in and of itself. And then the, the storyline and the, the kind of emotions, they, the heavy um, emotions they did and, and character development with Yondu was, was fantastic. So I, I think one still edges it out, but it, it's very close for me. What about you, Peter? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think I'd rank one ahead. And I think if I see it for a second viewing, maybe six months down the line, that could change. Uh, or maybe after a third viewing, who knows? But um, I think that's the case. I will say I'm super impressed because if you look at any of the sequels they've had in the Marvel Universe so far, um, you know, Age of Ultron, um, what else? Iron Man 2. Wait, wait. Ooh, Iron Man 2 gotta, is actually a good stop movie. You. And I got to stop you there because you're about to get to Winter Soldier. And I mean, that's just phenom- that's fantastic. You didn't, so, come on, you didn't, you you didn't even you let me finish my, my thought, guys. All right, finish. God, All right, finish. Thanks. All right, Peter, I apologize. <laughs> Please continue your thought. Well, no, you think so you got you have uh, Thor Dark World. You've got Iron Man 2 and you've got um, uh, Age of Ultron. I think we're all poor sequels. I would totally agree. Winter Soldier completely tops the first, mostly because I wasn't even a huge fan of the first Captain America, to be honest. Um, but if I if I had to rank this in terms of sequels in the Marvel Universe, I think this is the best by far. I think it it takes all the right moves. It it puts, uh, you know, it doesn't have to lean again on the Marvel Universe, which I think is great. It could be a standalone. You, you honestly don't need any other movies with it. Um, and I said this to Matt in a text. I'm really bummed. A, because James Gunn has already said the third movie is going to close the book on this on this version of the Guardians. Now, does that mean, you know, only some of them will disappear and some will come back? I don't know. But I'm just really bummed because, A, I want to see them back tomorrow in a new movie. And B, and, uh, you know, in general, it, it stinks that we won't get to see them long term. But, um, yeah, thoroughly impressed with this movie. Sean, what about you? Well, just to piggyback real fast, I think James Gunn learned from – uh, Christopher Nolan that you basically close out a trilogy, uh, a trilogy of a storyline and nobody wants to see anything you know you got to keep them wanting more I guess but uh, yeah so to follow up on the movie itself I think it's a you know like I said earlier I'd say maybe it's a seven and a half out of ten I really enjoyed it still think the first one is the best one out of these two but I maybe I could enjoy it a little bit more if I watch it again um, a couple months down the road or maybe even a couple weeks down the road, but we'll see. But for now, I think it's still about a seven and a half. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they end up tying these bad boys together with Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> but what about you, David? So it sounds like we're all on the same page in this particular thing, because I'm, I, I think everybody's on the same page that volume one is better barely, but it's still, I think it's a better one. Um, and Sean, I'm kind of with you. I kind of want to see it again just to see how it's volume two, see how I feel about it afterwards. I, you know, love the movie, but I don't know how it's going to hold up to the rewatchability after, you know, two or three viewings. And I'm kind of intrigued to get it, to get it as soon as it comes out and rewatch it because again, love the movie, thought it was good. Um, but I still, the first one, I still came out going like, okay, did not expect that freaking phenomenal but in terms of sequels i'm with peter on it it definitely beats out all the other sequels other than now will it okay so matt i think this is an interesting question for you this movie or winter soldier 
So as soon as Peter brought that up and I was like, oh man, I'm glad he went after me because I don't think I could weigh in on that. I think it would vary. By, <laughs> it, it could probably vary by the hour, if not like by like the half, you know, every 20 minutes I'd have a different answer. I, I think just because I know I could put on Winter Soldier, you know, pretty much any time, even after I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, I was kind of in a Marvel, you know, to prepare for this movie um, and our, when we talked about it previously. I think I already said this, you know, when we talked about it, I was in the Marvel mood and the first movie I went to was Winter Soldier. So I, I don't know where it's going to fall there. But as of right now, I think it's Winter Soldier just because that's just a solid movie regardless of comic books, right? It's just a kind of classic spy movie or an espionage um, thriller um, with, with, you know, some people with some good powers. Um, it's easy to toss on. But if you, if you ask me this tomorrow, it might be might be Guardians too. So, I, and I, I have to interject because I feel like you guys are not giving any credit to Iron Man too. I think that's a good movie, just as well. I mean, in terms of sequels, I, I can't tell if you're being facetious. Oh, no. I, I honestly, can't. I hope you are. Uh, you Iron Man two? I thought Iron Man two was good. <laughs> Iron Man three, I thought was bad, but Iron Man two, I thought was fine. Okay, no, the only reason I ask is because I actually enjoyed Iron Man two, and it was hilarious to my friends because they hated it. But I hated Iron Man three, and they liked. See, Iron really, Man. See, I. I guess it's. I'm on. I think we're on the same page, Matt, because I thought Iron Man two. I mean, besides I, the villain itself, I I, I thought Mickey uh, was it Mickey Mickey Rourke, right? Mickey Rourke, yeah. Yeah, I thought Mickey Rourke. I, ever since I've seen the wrestler, I still can't get past that. Like I see, I see him as the wrestler now, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought the movie was good. I mean, I didn't think there was anything. I mean, I, I it was a good sequel, I guess I would say. Yeah, people panned it because that's really all that it was, right? It was they said it was basically Iron Man one again, but um, I I thought it was I thought it was but it had the entertainment going for it. It didn't overreach, um, whereas Iron Man three just was painful. But uh, but but yeah, I I think both of these are both Winter Soldier. Not to get on to Iron Man two, both Winter Soldier and definitely Guardians of the Galaxy two are significantly above Iron Man two, even though I did enjoy that. I guess to say. Yeah, I, I guess I would put Winter Soldier up with that, but with Iron Man 2, sorry, I still think Guardians and is better than both of those, Guardians 2, but anyway, I don't want to get down that road too far. I think we found our next throwback episode, Iron Man 2. Indeed. <laughs> the, best of the, the best of the sequels. <laughs> we'll do that. All right, so let's do a quick uh, wrap-up with our uh, potent picks, guys. How about we do that, because I, I think we've out-talked... Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, even though we could probably talk another hour and a half on it. Um, so, Sean, how you? What you feeling for potent picks this week? Well, for my potent picks, I'm gonna I'm getting into Fargo season two, so I'm just gonna suggest that already. And if it's terrible, then I will come back next week and just say, "Don't watch, don't do that." Matt, Matt supports that pick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you do because I needed some assistance. But uh, what about you, Peter? What are your picks for this week? So I just started rewatching Suits. I don't know if you guys have seen this show before. Um, it's a USA show. I think they're on their sixth season now. I'm a big fan of this one. It, it's a lot of fun. I think the later seasons kind of drag on, and it starts to get darker than I I would like. But overall, it's super fun. It revolves around a guy who basically has a photo, photographic memory, gets a job at a law firm um, in some suspicious circumstances, he doesn't have a law degree for one, uh, but essentially it kind of goes through his antics with his his mentor there, and it, it's a lot of fun. I, I would recommend it for anybody. So, uh, Matt, what about you? Um, I have to. I think I said this last week, but I'm gonna say role models just because Mr. Blue Sky was was in uh, Guardians too. 
and I want everybody to see role models. But my real pick actually is going to be the, the show Bosch on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, good show, just a L.A. detective, um, you know, solving crimes and whatnot. It, it's kind of nice, the arcs that kind of extend throughout the, the seasons. Um, I just started season two because um, season three came out like a month ago and I forgot. So I'm looking forward to getting caught up through that. But uh, it's worth a watch if you have Prime. I, I definitely recommend it. What about you, Diff? So, um, I actually, I got two of them. So I just started, um, watching Genius. I don't know if y'all have seen this. It's on, um, I, I can't think of the channel. Actually, it's about, uh, History, right? Oh God, Albert Einstein. History Channel? Yeah, huh? Is it History Channel? It might be. I, it's either History or Nat Geo or one of those, one of those, the ones. I don't know what they are anymore, but, but it's a, uh, it's basically the, the outline of the life of Albert Einstein. It's been pretty interesting so far. I'm kind of like halfway through the first episode right now but it's intrigued my roommate's been watching it so i've been kind of watching it uh, so i'm kind of intrigued by it so far it seems pretty good the acting seems pretty much on point uh but matt's bosch uh uh comment made me first thing that popped in my head when you said that matt was the wire unfortunately and that's always a great one to go back to um i don't know if it's time for me to go back and rewatch the series but i'm starting to feel it i don't know about y'all but that's Always a good throw. Definitely to, a good idea. To throw out to everybody. Just to a, watch that show. Just a quick shout out, Dave, because this is coming up on Friday. But uh, Aziz Ansari, Master of None, season two is released on Netflix on Friday, which I'm excited about. So, well, there goes my weekend. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to give that quick plug. Well, that's a good plug because uh, nice. All right. Well, everybody, actually, I'm, I must be honest with y'all. Y'all should just forget everything else we've just said about potent picks. Watch, watch Master of. Uh, Master of, uh, Master of None, uh, season two, probably be great. So awesome! All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for the night. I think we're gonna go ahead and call it. And if and if you haven't been following us on uh, on Twitter at uh, Potent Pictures, and you'll get updates from Sean. He's usually our social media director, uh, so you'll you'll see a few things come out of him. He'll announce uh, what what movie we'll uh, we'll end up doing. It's looking like King Arthur, but if it changes, hey, you'll get a nice little tweet about it. And as always, you can email us at potentpicturespodcast at gmail.com. And other than that, guys, I think we're going to call it a night. So uh, y'all have a good one. It's like the uh, Fosters makes the 32-ounce cans, right, Matt? Those big, uh, the pounders, uh, not a pounder, I guess. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? The fat cans. I, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with the uh, Australian for beer. I, I can't remember if I ever actually had Foster's. You don't And want I it. feel like most of the time now it's a, yeah, it's kind of a butt of a joke. Like the reason it gets exported is because nobody in Australia actually drinks it. It's terrible. Um, but maybe that's <laughs> I'm just. I'm pretty sure it's like their wife beater. It's like Stella. Dave, like uh, beater, uh, we, uh, we used to drink some of that, Dave, at, uh, crap, what's the name of that bar? Uh, the Shepherd's Pie Place. Next no, time. you may have drank that. You never had a Foster's over there? I Coors Light. No. Oh, I always had my Coors Light. I sat at my bar, and I dra- ate my Shepherd's Pie. Usually you would just... Or pizza. Yeah. Or the Davis Special, which was both the Shepherd's Pie and the pizza. Wait, was this the place that we went to in uh, New Orleans with the... Yep. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, right below, my, right below the condo. I yeah, yeah. Yep. Nice. Indeed. Well, that was useful information for everybody. So, yeah, you guys, if you ever, if you're ever below <laughs> Dave's old condo, in definitely Orleans, try the bar with the pie and pizza. Just ask for the kangaroo bar. They'll know. No, they won't. <laughs>